We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. To week eight solo ship, um, scroll patrol, JM Delin. Uh, JM, how was your your last week? How was week seven? Uh, you know, it's funny. I was thinking about this this morning. That's what you always ask at the start of the show, and I was like, "How was my week seven? Like, it feels so long ago. And I've been doing NBA props since then, and so now, like, I I appreciate you guys who are grinding the uh, DFS. I, I heard you had a big NBA win this week, right? You're grinding like the daily NBA, and week seven feels like a decade ago. Yeah, exactly. Uh, it, it's it's funny because during uh, during the season when it's just NFL, like I, I don't really do like playoff baseball. Uh, when it's just NFL, it it doesn't feel like I can remember last week very sharply, right? Because like we, I remember like week two of NFL during week three because like it was just it was the only thing that happened to me in my life, you know. Like in the, but once NBA starts, it's like oh my god, like what happened last week? Well, yeah, week yeah. seven did. I, yeah. I took down the uh, shot for like for hundred thousand in basketball. Nice, I, yeah, congrats! It's awesome. Yeah, yeah. But it was a terrible NFL week seven. <laughs> uh, I um I had it was um 
you know, we're in that point of the season we talked last week. I mentioned Tyquan Thornton from week six. We're at that point in the season where there's so much value in finding those sub 4K wide receivers who can hit, right? Because it opens up so much else on your roster. So uh, last week I was fortunate in that the guys I was on were Marquise Goodwin, Khalif Raymond, uh, a couple other guys who didn't hit as well as those guys. But uh, unfortunately, two weeks ago, like having Tyquan Thornton opened up Jamar Chase on my Josh Allen, Stephon Diggs build, right? So everything came together. Uh, last week, like those opened up the salary I needed, but like the high price guys I was on didn't hit. So um, yeah, it was like kind of just a middling, middling week, good week in props, bad weeks, bad week on underdog. Um, so yeah, I, I finished down overall, but um, not a bad week, just not a great week. Yeah. I mean, I, I kind of took a stand. I, I don't always do this, but I, I took a stand on the Josh Jacobs ownership and just said, there's so many other ways the Raiders can score. And, and they didn't score in any of those other ways. They just kept running Josh Jacobs into the, into the end zone you know, for three touchdowns. So I, I was underweight him. Like, yeah, you know, I think I was very underweight him, overweight on Devontae Adams. And then I was underweight on Jamar Chase. So I kind of always end up underweight on Jamar Chase, just exactly similar thing. I think Cincinnati has a bunch of different ways they can score. And Chase is always going to be the most popular option. But like then like, T Higgins can, can do really well. Tyler Boyd and Tyler, you know, Boyd did do well. Um, yeah, Jamar Chase went berserk, and and Josh Jacobs went berserk, and that was that was the end of my week seven. But that also speaks to what we talk about a lot in this show, which is it's less about DFS is not about what most people think it's about. It's not about predicting what's going to happen so much as it's about accounting for what can happen and giving yourself a clear path to first place. I'm with you. I was I was on Chase two weeks ago when he ended up becoming popular throughout the week, um, and it was kind of the way that that slate set up where it was like, well. Outside of Diggs paired with Josh Allen, where else am I going at high price wide receiver? And, and Chase just made a lot of sense. But I'm with you. Like he's his range of outcomes is so broad. And I, we might start changing this because back to back weeks, the Bengals have been near the top of the league and pass rate over expectation. But this is a team with Zach Taylor that we don't want to spend too much time in the Bengals since they're not on this slate. But Zach Taylor over over like the last several years has very much been like a chess match coach. He gets the lead and then he's like, how do we protect this lead? And that's why they, they end up so run heavy. So if they start shifting, then I'm with you. Like, then I'll shift on Chase. But yeah, generally speaking, I'm with you on that. It's like if everybody's on him, he's a guy I want to be off of. Uh, and then, you know, same thing with the Josh Jacobs thinking. I was, I was a little bit overweight the field on Josh Jacobs, but – uh, I love that thinking, and this is another week where Devontae Adams is coming in with low projected ownership, and Josh Jacobs is going to have high projected ownership, where realistically, Devontae Adams could go out and score three touchdowns, and Josh Jacobs could score none because of Devontae Adams scoring those. So yeah, I mean, I like, I love plays like that. Yeah, and that's actually, it's an interesting game, because it's not going to be the most popular game on the slate. Like, I think that's going to be Miami-Detroit by a mile, uh, but that, that this game has a close spread. It's one of the higher totals. And so we can see, we can see what happens. Uh, Cause I think Darren Waller is still questionable. We're always good. We were just saying before the show, we, you know, we record this Friday afternoons around three 30 and it's three 30 Eastern. That's when we get all of the reports from practice of who's in and who's out. I haven't seen anything on Waller yet, but he's somebody I'm interested in because there's a lot of really good tight ends and a lot of good tight ends, and a lot of good quarterbacks that are not on the slate. So Waller is somebody that if he's healthy and he's in there, he's somebody I'm interested in. If, if he's carrying low ownership in a high total game, if he's not in, then maybe I'm interested in Hunter Renfro um, or, yeah, again, or, or Devontae Adams. Um, and it might be another week where I just watch Josh Jacobs run into the end zone three times and, and ruin my week. Uh, but, it, yeah, it'll be interesting to see see how the week shapes up as we get the, the final injury news. 
and that actually, I think the one thing that strikes me about this week's slate is the guys that are not on the slate, like Patrick Mahomes, Lamar Jackson, Tom Brady, Justin Herbert, uh, Josh Allen, I mean, it's just Aaron Rodgers, like Hall of Fame of quarterbacks that are not on this slate. Uh, and then we have one guy that's like $4,000 on DraftKings, uh, and he is on the slate. So, yeah, I mean, what do you, what do you think about the quarterback position, and, and what do you think about like the differences between FanDuel and DraftKings? Yeah, so first off, the fan the difference between FanDuel and DraftKings, it's it's like light years difference, right? Because on FanDuel, Ellinger costs 10% of the salary cap, and usually players cost less of the salary cap on FanDuel. He costs 10% on FanDuel, 8% on DraftKings. He's priced next to a bunch of other guys on FanDuel. So the decision is much more about who do I think is the best play here. Uh, on DraftKings, I think that the quarterback position and the slate as a whole have very similar components. And what I mean by that is – I always say like getting the player who marginally outperforms the other players doesn't gain you that much of an edge, right? What gains you an edge is the players who significantly outperform the other players. Same thing with game environments, getting a game environment that goes a little bit better than the others doesn't do much for you. But this week we have eight of 11 games have over-unders of 44 and a half or lower. And realistically, all eight of those games could finish under 45 points. So that leaves us with just three games that might finish above that. And two of those could finish between like 45 and 50 points, right? So if one game, and it's not necessarily going to be Detroit-Miami, if one game, it could be New Orleans and Las Vegas, it could be Minnesota and, and, and uh, Arizona. If one game goes for like, it doesn't have to hit a Baltimore-Miami type score. If one game goes for like 65 combined points, it could significantly outperform the other games. So that's one thing I'm thinking about this week. And then the other thing I'm thinking about is, a lot of these 5K quarterbacks, the Ryan Tannehill's, the Marcus Mariota's, the, you know, outside of like the game stack approaches for Andy Dalton and Derek Carr, a lot of these 5K quarterbacks, like their good games are still like 18, 19 points. And so if I'm like, oh, I'm going to move off Ellinger and go to one of these guys, what value does it get me if Davis Mills gets me 18 points and Ellinger has a bad game and gets 13? You know what I mean? Like it, there's no real edge gain in there. So I'm very much focused on if I'm moving, there's, there are extremely unique ways to build with Ellinger. But if I'm moving off of Ellinger, I want to either game stack one of these games that can hit big, uh, kind of kill two birds with one stone, or I want to go with like a Daniel Jones or like a Jalen Hurts or one of these guys who could actually put up 30, 35 points. And then if Ellinger puts up 15, you gain like massive separation. But I'm not interested in these all these quarterbacks who could get you 18 to 20 to 21 to 22. And not that they'll be super popular, but they're collectively they'll have – 15, 20, 25% ownership of people just, you know, moving rosters in that direction. I think that there's edge, edge to be gained by being like, look, who can actually separate? And that's where I want to focus this week. And there's so few spots that can separate. It really narrows down our focus. It's interesting. It actually strikes me of Yahoo. I, I don't play Yahoo DFS anymore, but they used to, I probably still do have like pricing with quarterbacks, right? Sometimes I'll have a $20 quarterback and the, the top players are, you know, are $38, $42. Uh, and so you, you, you end up with that question of like, well, what can a $20 guy do? And here we have like Ellinger. Yeah, he's 4000 on DraftKings. Like that's, that's dirt cheap. It's, it, he's probably not highly relevant on FanDuel. Like if I do 150 lineup set, I might, I might have a, a handful of Ellinger lineups even on FanDuel just because there's some unknown. He seems to have some rushing ability. You know, so if he if he ends up running into touchdowns at like six thousand or whatever he is on FanDuel, that's actually becomes relevant. Um, it, but on DraftKings, yeah, like you can 
you can play him at 4,000, but the interesting thing there is because he's probably going to put up like 20 DraftKings points um, or, you know, 18 to 20. That's the most likely outcome. Um, so what else are you doing with the salary? And it, it, if you're paying up for the same guys and those guys bust, then you could end up having, you know, not doing that well because it, you're going to maybe get like 18 or like 16 points from Ellinger if he has a bad game. Um, and if you're, like I say, you're paying him for like Tyreek Hill or, or Derek Henry, if those guys bust, then then you're actually in a bad spot. Uh, but actually, I don't think those guys are going to bust because so, they're two of my favorite. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, but you you need to take that salary and get a little bit different, uh, but then also have those guys you spend up for do well. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And it's, you know, there's an aspect, we've talked about this, but you can ride the chalk in places. Like chalk is chalk for a reason. And you can pick your spots where it's like, okay, here's the guy I'll ride with this week. And and then differentiate in other spots. And for me, it's always the guy I'm going to ride with. It's not going to be the the CD Lambs and the Michael Pittmans and the DeAndre Hopkins, who people think they've got this big ceiling, but really they just have like a good steady range of production. DeAndre Hopkins, 27 games with the Cardinals. He's topped 30 DraftKings points once, right? Yet people will still pay 7,400 for him because it looks good that he's got 15 points, 17 points, 23 points, 24 points. Like his game log looks sexy because it's all double digit points. But like, if I miss out on that, it doesn't kill me. So if I'm going to ride the chalk, it's going to be on a guy like Tyree Kill where he could put up 40 and then I'm, I'm screwed. Like he, that doesn't win me a tournament because everybody has them. But if I don't have them, I'm screwed. And so there's a few guys like that. But also, you know, these guys can miss too. Tyreek Hill could put up an 18-pointer. Derrick Henry, because he's so touchdown dependent, could put up a 15 to 18-pointer. And then because these guys are so popular, it's leaving guys like Jonathan Taylor. He's coming in with sub-5% ownership right now. Um, I know he's a guy that you always love when he's low-owned. Devontae Adams is coming in with low ownership right now. Cooper Cup, like there's a lot of fun ways on this slate. And then I also think most people who pay down at Ellinger aren't going to take one of these sub 4K wide receivers because they don't project as well. You're more like they're kind of boom or bust, right? But if you go to one of those guys, you can fit in an, an extra elite piece that other people won't have. So there's some really fun ways to build with Ellinger this week where you can ride the chalk on Ellinger and be different elsewhere. There's fun ways to build without him as well. But yeah, I really like the slate because it just, it, it kind of, the, the good plays, the good options are highlighted for you. There's a number of plus EV ways to build. You can kind of pick your paths, but um, most people don't know how to build plus EV rosters, right? And so the fact that there's like a handful that are like super plus EV, hey, focus on these game environments. If you're going off Ellinger, play quarterback these ways, uh, makes it an attractive slate. I really like the slate. I, I, I've seen back a couple of weeks ago, we had like that Kansas City Buffalo game. And it was like, there was one decision point, like, I'm either going to play that game or I'm going to fade that game. And I, I don't like those kind of slates because they're very binary. You have to make that decision. Even like last week was a little bit like the Josh Jacobs week. You know, he was coming in very highly owned. And I, I was saying, well, he doesn't know that he's underpriced on DraftKings. So that doesn't mean he's going to go, you know, rush in three touchdowns. And then he just did exactly <laughs> that. Like, you know. He did exactly that. Yeah. Um, and <laughs> but like, this is a week where there's a lot of attractive games you can kind of pick from. I think everyone, uh, not everyone, but a lot of people are going to go to the Miami Detroit game. There's, yeah, there's other games on slate. And then you have, especially on DraftKings, you have this Ellinger situation. And it's actually, there's so many people that are doing 150 lineups that, you know, they're, they're stacking, they have some kind of rule, right? And they're optimizer where they're stacking the game with their quarterback. It's actually difficult to do a bunch of lineups with like a quarterback like Ellinger because you, 
people have these rules, right? And they're cranking out these lineups very quickly on Sunday morning. Uh, and they, you, you can take Ellinger and like game stack a game that's not Miami Detroit. And then, yeah, like stick in one of these underowned pieces. Like you could do a, a Brandon Cooks, like Derek Henry kind of mini stack, which I, I kind of like, right? Like if Henry is running the ball in, then maybe Brandon Cooks is having one of his ceiling games. That's like a little correlation you can, you can try in, in your lineups. And it's a week that I think is going to be much easier on hand builders, right? And people doing like single entry, if you really are, thinking about your lineups, like maybe you're using Ellinger, but then you're building in like two separate game stacks from other games or doing like an Ellinger and yeah, Jonathan Taylor stack because the people aren't going to think to stack the quarterback with the running back. Jonathan Taylor has been a disappointment so far this year. Like he, we know he's capable of monster games and he's maybe a little bit more expensive than we would like, but if his quarterback is absurdly cheap, then suddenly that's, you know, that's something that can actually hit like a ceiling value for you. Um, and if, especially if you're mixing it up with other games that can, that can also hit, hit a ceiling. Uh, but I, but I, I don't know if there's anybody from Washington that I'd want to run back there. Um, and yeah. Actually, and what's, what's great about that is you could, you can, you can play Ellinger and Jonathan Taylor. And if the Colts win 28 to 17, like that pays off huge. You're, you're probably getting all four touchdowns and you're getting 55 to 60 points from these guys who will cost 12k in combined salary and you don't need anybody from Washington and to your point about like building with Ellinger because of the unique setup of this slate not just the Ellinger aspect but the fact that eight of the 11 games aren't probably good game environments like macro environments and probably two or maybe even all three of the other three games won't end up turning out well, but probably at least two of the other games won't turn out great. So what you can actually do is you, you can recognize that you don't need a blow up game in order for this other game environment to be the one you needed. So that means that like something like Ellinger plus Tyree kill plus Amon Ross St. Brown actually makes a lot of sense because if Detroit Miami just goes for like 60 combined points, Tua doesn't end up being the piece that you needed there and so you still get the like the goodness from that game going for 60, but with the different quarterback pairing that a lot of people will have. So yeah, I mean, just a lot of fun ways to to approach it that are all kind of they all kind of overlap, but there's just it's such a different slate that I think most people will handle it incorrectly. Yeah, you actually bring up something that's that's interesting. The games can sometimes score well for DFS. That's something I've started saying this season. I think it's true. Like rushing yards for quarterbacks is something that kind of counts more than you would think and receptions for wide receivers and tight ends. They count a lot, like, but they don't put points on the NFL scoreboard. So people are very attuned at this point in the, the evolution of DFS. They know they want games with high point totals. They know they want teams with high implied point totals, and then they know they want to stack games. Uh, so they're, they're stacking these, you know, this Miami Detroit game every which way. But if you can find pieces that are scoring well for DFS, but aren't necessarily putting a bunch of points on the board, they're going to be very under-owned. And like rushing quarterbacks, I feel like tend to be under-owned. And Ellinger is actually a guy that looks like he can he can run the ball a little bit. Um, and then, you know, if you pair that with receivers that are piling up a lot of receptions, I kind of like Pittsburgh this week more than I should. Um, and part of it is because like, I, I like Jalen Hurts and I, maybe I will look for a run back. But I, I feel like, Pittsburgh's a team where they're not necessarily going to score a lot of points. Like they could get blown out by, by Philadelphia, but you know, I'm looking for a situation where maybe the defense doesn't care at this point in the game that Pittsburgh can keep throwing the ball to Deontay Johnson or George Pickens. And those guys can kind of pile up receptions and maybe even get a touchdown that the defense doesn't care about, you know, so like they're, they're facing a good defense 
but it's a defense that doesn't care, you know, if the score goes from 38, seven to 35, you know, 35, seven to 35, 14 or whatever. Um, so like, yeah, for environments where it, it scores more. That, that concept of, of plays being good for DFS and not for like, not producing points. That's also like teams that, one, I think one of the edges we've had for years is teams that spread the ball out and have high point totals. Like people still load up on those teams, but a lot of times they're, you know, the chargers pieces, the bucks pieces, the team puts up 30 plus points, but there's no individual player outside of like the one guy, maybe the Austin Eckler or on Tampa. Sometimes it's nobody, but maybe it's the one pass catcher that hits, but they don't like, the Tom Brady plus two pass catchers has rarely been optimal, even though they had all these 30 point games because they spread the ball out. Conversely, the teams that might only score 24 points, but have super concentrated distribution of touches because of the PPR scoring and, and the hundred yard bonus, like those guys can end up being so valuable without the game environment popping off. I think that's something that people still overlook and, and a place where we can definitely gain edge. I think so. And that actually, it draws some of the lower point total games. I, I was thinking about uh, Indy, or not uh, Tennessee and Houston, because I was thinking, like, I want concentrated offenses, right? And, like, that's, an, that's a game, kind of a very low point total, um, but you could have, like, Derek Henry, you could have, like, Brandon Cooks, and you have Damian Pierce. And I don't know if I can name another player in the game, like maybe Nico Collins. I don't know. <laughs> like, but, like that tells me that that all of the points, right? Like all of the yes, like a disproportionate number of plays are going to go through this concentrated offense, uh, and those guys could end up on a winning lineup in a game where we're not necessarily expecting a bunch of points. Like Tennessee's implied point totals, like twenty one and a half. Well, twenty one of those could come from from Derrick Henry, or eighteen of them, right? Could, could come from Derrick Henry if he scores three touchdowns. Um, you know, and yeah, there's other other games where there's maybe lower point totals like Carolina and Atlanta is one that I'm a, a little bit interested in. Uh, looks like Chuba Hubbard's out. So Dante Foreman now could be getting like you know, running back one work. Um, he's priced up a little bit cause he had a big game last week, but like, that's important to me that he's a, he's a guy that's capable of big games. And again, like that's a Carolina team that's got a sub 20 point implied point total. And that's, that's going to lead projections away from all these Carolina players. But if it ends up being extremely, concentrated offense with DJ Moore and Dante Foreman, then suddenly that's a game I'm interested in, even if it's not putting up a, a bunch of points on the scoreboard. Yeah. Like you said, it, it leads projection systems away from it. And so anytime we can break a rule intelligently, it gives us an edge because most people can't think through like why the rule is the rule and what the exceptions might be. So they just are like, well, that's, that's, and even me, like I, if I'm doing something that's breaking a rule, my first instinct is like, oh, well, I shouldn't do that. That's negative EV. And then you think, oh, well, let me think into this specific situation. And you realize that if that's the first inclination is to think that, and then you're wrong, it's actually plus EV at like standard ownership. Well, then you're also going to get lower ownership because people are thinking that way. And, and then also, like you said, like, so take the Tennessee and Texans game. Well, you can get tournament winning production with that game finishing below its total. So then what happens if you get, like the 80th percentile outcome for that game where it goes above its total. Now you have a shot to like really race past people, especially on a slate like this, where there's a lot of kind of ugliness um, on this slate as a whole. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. 
Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yeah. And you talked about rules. I mean, sometimes it's literally a rule that people are putting into, you know, a, an optimized yeah, generated yeah, yeah. lineup, right? Like, and they're, they've got this rule that's like, well, I want, you know, give me the 150 lineups with my quarterback stack with two receivers and running back one receiver from the other team. That's like on DraftKings, like that's not going to spit out a bunch of like Ellinger lineups. That might actually be, you know, especially for like single entry. And I think Ellinger will be very popular for both, you know, cash games on DraftKings and, uh, and single entry, but I think, you know, he may not be as popular as he should be, right? Because people are not going to get that lineup with him as a quarterback when they're trying to pair it with like three receivers from the same game. But you can just pair it with three receivers from a different game who are going against each other who are hopefully hitting their ceilings. Um, and then, you know, then you're putting in Ellinger as the, the quarterback. It, it's kind of a good week for, for hand builders and, and maybe for single entry. But then one of those rules that you know, people kind of have in the optimizers as well. It's like, they're not going to play any players against their own defense, but so it's, it kind of brings up an interesting situation where like, well, maybe the Washington defense is going to go really under owned. Um, you know, it's, it's fairly cheap and it's facing a quarterback who's making, I think it's his first NFL start. Yeah. Now. Yeah. First NFL start. First yeah. NFL sixth start. round, sixth round draft pick second year in the league. Hey, sixth round draft pick, just like Tom Brady. So now we know Ellinger's ceiling is, uh, is seven times Super Bowl champ. Um, yeah. But yeah, no, it's his, it's his first start. And realistically, they're going to try to put him in position to not make mistakes. But the reason he's in there is because Matt Ryan has turned the ball over more than any quarterback in the NFL. And a lot of that's been because of all the sacks and fumbles. And so certainly an opportunity for Ellinger to turn the ball over. And one of the things with that rule is if the defense, like if uh, the, the percentage of drives that have a sack and end in the offense scoring points is so low. So if Washington's getting a bunch of sacks, sure, that's hurting Ellinger. But if Washington is getting their points because of like a turnover return for a touchdown, well, that's helping Ellinger because now he gets the ball back right away. He has to pass the ball more. The defense softens up a little bit more for kind of his, his rushing underneath. And so, um, yeah, I, I like that as well as in, in terms of like finding way. Like last week I had some Bucks defense and Brady builds now Brady it turns out is not good anymore but like the thinking there is nobody's going to have this because it's a rule to not do it 
But if the Bucks defense is giving Brady short fields, that like we know that the Bucs will keep passing with a lead. We know that they're willing to win 40 to seven. And so if the Bucs defense is giving him short fields. That's easier touchdown opportunities. And these actually work really well together. So yeah, like those defense rules is another fun one where it's like, um, Hey, nobody thinks about this one. And so we can force that in with, as a hand builder and, and differentiate. Yeah. Another thing too, that I think people won't have this week is like, I want to bring up this player because I think he's a, an important player to mention this week is Van Jefferson, who's 3K and really should be about 4,500. Sean McVay has said he'll have no limits this week and play his normal role. People won't have like Ellinger plus Van Jefferson, right? Because once they have Ellinger, they're like, oh, well, I don't need to pay down somewhere else. And it's so easy to go Ellinger, Van Jefferson, cheap tight end, cheap defense. And now you have salary to like, do whatever you want on the rest of your roster. You get all these, like you get extra elite pieces that people don't have. Um, Ellinger's currently projected on our, on our side at like 12%, right? That's too low for a guy who's 4k and like not, there's no reason to play most of these 5k quarterbacks over him. And so, yeah, he becomes very interesting this week. I think that ownership will go up a little bit, but like you said, the opto rules generally won't force Ellinger in, which gives us an edge as, as hand builders and thinking about that for single entry and how we can leverage that. Yeah, actually, uh, it, it's funny that the one correlation I had on the Road Grinders like, expert survey is I, I like the correlation between it's usually you know quarterback wide receiver correlation. I, I put um, Tampa Bay offensive players in the Tampa Bay defense. So I thought it was obvious, you know, Carolina was just going to roll over. <laughs> yeah, you know, and turned out, Bay, turned out we were wrong. <laughs> yeah, forty-two nothing. So that that contributed to the uh, to the bad week seven. Uh, Van Jefferson's an interesting interesting piece, and I I don't think he's going to be very highly owned. Um, we'll no, see. he still has a little IR tag next to his uh, yeah. his name. What I said, uh, I think that you know, there's people, there's guys like Big T, guys like that that like by Sunday morning, this is a player that they're gonna, whether it's Big T or somebody else, like there's enough sharp people in DFS that by Saturday night, Sunday morning, people will start mentioning this across different sites, and it'll kind of get a little bit of traction, but like three percent, four percent owned on on a guy who you know you go. I went through his game logs, like his DraftKings game logs last year, and. Like half his games are double digit points, a bunch of 15 pointers, 16 pointers, 18 points, 21 points. You know, this is a 4,500 wide receiver who's priced at 3K. He's got the little IR tag next to his name because he hasn't come off IR yet. And so uh, it's just the, that's the kind of guy that people won't be on. And then, especially if they're on Ellinger, they won't be on him. And so, yeah, you can play this guy in Ellinger and then still just have a really unique roster construction from there. Yeah. Yeah, there's two important points there. One, I think it's really good to think about it in terms of this guy's a $4,500 wide receiver, not a $3,000 wide receiver. Because like, he's not a guy that people are like instantly familiar with, right? Like if, if Cooper Cup was coming back from an injury, like, well, it's, it's Cooper Right, Cup. right. Uh, but like Van Jefferson, he's mostly been a wide receiver two uh, or wide receiver three like throughout right. his career. So I'm like, yeah, I don't, I don't really remember how good he is, right? Like, But no, he should be 4,500. And when I see 3,000, I think oh, he's not that good, right? Like it's like yeah, yeah, you know, pricing psychology, before, right? Yeah, like like oh, you can't be that good if it's that cheap. Like no, he, yeah, he should be forty five hundred, and you're getting an extra fifteen hundred dollars there on on DraftKings, and then that allows you combinations of players that other people can't get if you're playing with Ellinger, right? Because then you have a ton of salary, and then you have like you have combinations like Tyree Kill, Derek Henry that other people just can't plausibly afford. Um, you know, with their, their medium price players, right? So I guess stars and scrubs build, but it's really important. I mean, that's, I think it's important for both single entry and for multi-entry. Like if you are ending up with a bunch of combinations of players, 
that other people just can't get in their lineups, then if those two guys do well, and it's very conceivable, like Derek, Derek Henry and, and Tyree Hill, or, you know, fill in whatever, like, high-priced player yeah, you want. Yeah, Like, that those guys can go, you know, and if they have, like, multiple touchdown games together, then, like, then you're vaulting a bunch of lineups, right? And that's how you win tournaments. Yeah, and like you said, like, the player combinations. On, on my show with Pete Overzet, we did a Van Jefferson-Ellinger where we were able to get in Jonathan Taylor, Tyreek Hill, Amon Ross St. Brown, and had the salary if we wanted to go to Alvin Kamara or like another one of these 7K players. So where a lot of people will have two of these guys, we have four of these guys. And so they're high-owned, well, not Jonathan Taylor, but you say you swap them out for Derrick Henry. They're high-owned players, but but this person has one of these guys. This person has two of these guys. Nobody has four of these guys. And so it's just, yeah, like, and, and on a week like this, that's so critical. It's just like, the handful of guys that can vault you past everybody. If you get as many of those guys as possible this week, there won't be a lot of them this week. And so that's just such an edge um, in all tournament styles. But I mean, obviously we're focused primarily single entry here. And I think you and I both focus a lot on single entry. So yeah, uh, to me, it's a lot of fun. This week's a lot of fun. It's one of my favorite weeks we've had this year. Yeah. I and mean, there's one more player I wanted to touch on. We haven't, we haven't talked about it all, but like there, Tony Pollard is going to be the, the, the solo back in Dallas. We, we think. Um, so I just wanted to get your thoughts on him because I think he's going to be one of the more popular plays and we didn't really touch on, on running back that much. Um, do you think he's going to be worth the ownership? Like, is it a Josh Jacobs situation? Or what are your thoughts on Pollard? Yeah, so I mean, I think Pollard's capable of putting up 30 points. I don't think that Pollard, I, I'm not super concerned, like every player has this in their range of outcomes. I'm not super concerned though about Pollard putting up like a 39-pointer and burying me like Jacobs could last week. Like I see Pollard's range as more like 18 to 27 points, which makes him a guy that I'm totally happy to play, but I'm not going to be like forcing him onto builds. Like if a, if a build of mine is, or like I said, like if I'm getting Jonathan Taylor, Derrick Henry and Alvin Kamara, right. I'm, I'm not going to be like, Oh God, but I don't have Tony Pollard. I'm going to be like, Hey, I've got these three guys who can all go for 30 to 40 and people won't have all three of them together. So I'm, I'm comfortable going to build without Pollard if it's based on like unique structures of, of game stacks or player combos or whatever. But I'm also totally comfortable playing him because his paths to failure are relatively low. Um, I just I'm not as scared to miss out on like a 40 burger as I was with Josh Jacobs. OK, yeah, I think that makes sense. I, I'm probably going to try to like match the field, assuming the fields in, you know, somewhere in the 30 percent yeah. range. Um, I, I think, yeah, he's a player that's. He's probably going to do well, but I'm, yeah, he's, I'm not sure he's going to put up like a 40 point thing. that's going to bury me. And he, he's priced up a little bit. Like I think we're naturally tending to think that it's one of those situations where the lead running back is out. So that, you know, the dirt cheap secondary guy is coming in and that's, that's not the case. Like Pollard's a little bit more expensive than he would have, you know, cause he's not, he's not normally just a total backup running back. Like he, him and uh, Ezekiel Elliott have been, have been splitting it a little bit. But yeah, I feel like Dallas hasn't been throwing to their to their running backs as much. Um, yeah, it might not be the best environment. So like, there's a, a there's a good chance he puts up a decent score, but hopefully, I'm not just watching him run into the end zone three times. Yeah, and, and okay, Pollard Zeke, they've their their combined average points per game is 21.7. Like sometimes we see the the one guy out, and the combined running back points is like 32. And so then you're like, oh, well, this guy's going to get most of those points. Like Pollard's more explosive on a per-touch basis than Zeke. So if he'd been getting all of the touches, that average would be up. But it's not like this is a team that's just averaging 
35 running back points a game and they all go to Pollard. Now they're, they're averaging under 22 running back points a game. Um, Pollard gets most of those points this week, but that could still be, you know, 18 points. It could still be 20, 21, 22 points. Uh, I don't think he's going to wreck any rosters for having played him, but, um, but yeah, like you said, I think even with the field, that's, that seems like such a cop out. Just like, well, I don't want to make a decision here. I'll just be even with the field. But I think that's probably how I'll approach things as well. I think he's a sharp play, but not, a guy I'm like scared to miss out on. I think that it's very viable for there to be first place rosters this week that don't have Tony Pollard. I want to count for that as well. Yeah. I guess I should specify because it's a single entry show and on a, if you're doing single entry, your ownership is either zero or hundred percent. Uh, but he's, I, I think you put it well, he's a guy for single entry that I'm not necessarily looking to jam into my roster. I mean, you shouldn't start your lineup with Tony Pollard. Uh, Agreed. He's yeah. The, you know, he's the one running back in Dallas. Maybe you, you fill out the rest of the roster first. And then if you end up at, you know, at 6,100 on, on DraftKings, then, oh, okay, you know, you can put in Pollard. But, yeah, maybe you end up at a different price point, and that gives you an even more unique roster. So a guy you can play in single entry, but a guy you can fade as well and not necessarily sweat about it. Yeah, and as, as you've talked about, you can build more than one single entry roster. You can build five or six rosters, put them in a different single entry contest, and so you can still have your – kind of Pollard ownership spread out. I think that's sharp way to, to handle it this week. Yeah. All right. Uh, so any, any final thoughts on the week? No, we went over a little bit, but uh, I mean, I think we could probably go for two hours if they let us. So yeah. <laughs> um, no, I'll, uh, I'll leave it to you to get us out of here. Cool. Yeah. Uh, good luck to everybody this week. Thanks for listening. And uh, yeah, we'll see you, uh, see you at the top of the leaderboards. <laughs>